Today, we're going to be talking with Debbie Vavangas, Global Lead for IBM Garage across IBM Services, and Ant Roberts, Head of Digital for Audi UK, about how the auto industry has adapted to the challenges of the current pandemic. If you want to hear previous entries in this series, you can simply look up the episodes labeled Smart Talks in our feed from earlier this year, or you can also check out the episodes of Smart Talks on the iHeartMedia podcast Tech Stuff. And now let's go straight to our conversation with Debbie and Ann. Debbie and Ann, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Debbie, let's start with you. Can you tell us a bit about the work you do at IBM and how you ended up in that role? Sure. Um, so the work I do at IBM is leading IBM Garage, which is the framework by which we work with clients to bring innovation and transformation together to achieve their priority outcomes at speed and scale. That's a lot of buzzwords in one sentence, but what that really means is that that it's it's about bringing together all of the amazing things that we that IBM do across the ecosystem in order to 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 make that come together for our clients and working in partnership with our clients on their journey. So it's not about doing things to our clients, and in this case, Audi, who I've been delighted to be able to work with over the last couple of years, but it's how we work together. It's how we collaborate and focus on value outcomes and use technology and use uh, user centricity and use all of these best practices around agile and lean startup in order to deliver those outcomes at speed. Uh, and, and, and I came into that role because I have been blessed in my career to, to work in some amazing clients and to be able to be at the at the at the front of of this new way of working and, and digital transformation agendas and by working alongside clients and being in a position through clients like Audi and and previously BP and all sorts of others along the journey, being able to build this incredible way of collaborating with our clients that can really, really change the game in both ways of working, outcomes, speed of delivery, um, whatever is most at the center of our clients' journeys. So that's a little bit about me. And what would you say makes your, your work most meaningful? Oh, so I saw that when I, when I was thinking about coming into this podcast. What is it that makes it meaningful? Or what is it that keeps me, you know, gets me out of bed at work in the morning and, you know, stops me sleeping at night? And, you know, what, what at the end of the day, what makes it most meaningful is, is being on the journey with incredible clients. Personally, for me, my biggest thrill is is it being at the forefront of change, of enabling and driving and leaving lasting change. You're not flash in the pan. It happened. Did that happen? What was that? I forgot about it. But real lasting change. You know, changing the direction of something, changing the way a company can operate, changing the way um, organizations can deliver results, or changing the way they can connect with their own consumers and and how they feel as employees within an organization. Any and all of these things. There are such amazing outcomes and such passionate journeys, and and it's a real thrill to be able to work with my clients alongside them on a day to day basis, and also with IBM to to drive that change, to bring all of these things together, to to create these meaningful outcomes. You use the word meaningful, right? What what matters to me is that what we deliver for our clients is meaningful to them. It is has a lasting impact, has a an impact beyond potentially the product that we've built in in terms of how it's made people feel or the results that it's delivered. And and to be able to do that with my clients is unquestionably the biggest honor and thrill that I get on a on a daily basis. But then being 
being privileged enough to be in a position where I get to to be at the front of leading and scaling that across IBM to make this agile design thinking led data driven value realization way of working to be the the way IBM works with its clients and to be able to be part of that journey and and bring it to life and see all these incredible transformation outcomes happen with our clients is 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 a real thrill and how about you? What do you do at Audi and what drew you to the auto industry? Currently, I think it's the way in which I can describe my job is, is almost the holistic, you know, top to bottom. I'm in charge of everything from front-end customer experience, middleware, back-end, way back-end, um, transition through to cloud, hosting, you know, you name it, we've we've got our mitts on it somewhere along the line, which is which is great because it means that you can shape that journey. But obviously, with that full spectrum comes a lot of challenges associated. And I guess what drew me to automotive, I think would be um, the opportunity at the time I came in as a, as a digital transformation manager in 2014. And obviously, the brand, the appeal of the brand, I've always been a, a fan of Audi. Um, I've always, I guess associated with the kind of challenger, progressive, premium nature of what I thought Audi stood for. And you think it's cool and and you think and you're you know, you're cool. And so so cool yeah, plus yeah, cool, yeah. right? I mean Audi is cool. Let's be honest. It's a cool brand. It's a cool logo. <laughs> they make cool cars. I mean what's not to be excited about there? I would certainly never self qualify as cool, but yeah, I'm I'm happy to take that if you're if you're happy to qualify. Um no, no, I, th- I think it's the opportunity to take something which I felt needed needed a lot of work. And, and as, a, as a previous customer, I felt that there were opportunities to improve that customer experience. Um, and so naturally, it was, a, it was a great opportunity and something I, I couldn't resist. So we've talked in this series before about how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected commerce in a number of ways. One of our early episodes was about supply chains and how, uh, for example, food supply chains have had to adapt to become more flexible to changes in, in where the demand was and, and even changes you wouldn't expect, such as like uh, how that affected packaging requirements for food. Um, how has it affected the way people buy and lease cars? And as you can imagine, it's, it's impacting significantly. I think the traditional model of, of a, a customer, a person, a human being wishing to go and buy a car um, is still predominantly done by somebody you know, conducting their own research, be it going into a dealership, online, trade publications, whatever it might be, um, and then going into a, a dealership and, and having a conversation with with uh, a gentleman or a lady who will who will tell you about a car and, and help inform the the purchase decision. And um, with COVID, I think obviously immediately from March in the UK, we were locked down. That completely stopped. Um, we've had to seriously consider how how we engage with customers and how customers want to engage with us. Um, and as a result, we've had to we've had to really kind of get creative and pivot quite quickly. And the automotive isn't isn't an industry which is noted for its agility. I think that's fair to say. Um, and obviously, that the obvious thing that we, you know we, we would talk about is is uh, selling direct, going direct to customers, allowing them to, to view cars online and then purchase a car online. And that then throws up a whole load of other challenges, such as, you know, what do they do with their existing car? How do they get a part exchange valuation on that car? How does it feed in as part of a finance journey? 
Um, how can customers ask about cars? How can they view specific cars they're interested in? All of these challenges previously previously not, not really worried about in any great way because we've been able to to get you know human beings to to products directly have really been kind of uh, exposed i think and and of course i'd be i'd be absolutely lying if we said we haven't been grappling with these issues for a number of years and how we kind of improve that customer experience but this has really acted as a as a huge kind of burning platform and possibly a, a platform that didn't really exist before um, just to give you the insight, I think part of the challenge about business transformation, and, and I'm passionate about business transformation, certainly in our in our business, especially in that you know that we've got a great product, but we we often rely a lot on that product to do the work for us. Um, and you've only got to have a situation that that kind of imposes itself and, and stops that becomes a barrier or an impediment to that that journey, that process. And you know you you've got a lot. You've got a long way to come then to break down those barriers. So this has really, really acted um, as a real catalyst to um, to improving that experience for customers. So in your experience uh, with Audi adapting to the pandemic, is there anything that really surprised you in any, um, any, any ways that the pandemic has affected the auto industry that you really wouldn't have predicted? Yeah, I think I think the key surprise for me, uh, to be perfectly frank, is that given the national preoccupation with uh, with buying up toilet rolls and almost every single toilet roll in the country, that people still have the time and the mental capacity to think about buying cars was a, was a real surprise. Well, I have to agree, Anne. That in the first three months that that, that there was any traffic was was a surprise, right? Because there are so many priorities for so many people. Mm. Um, but it's still it's still clearly an important moment in people's minds, even amidst the global pandemic, because you still did get the traffic right, and then some. We did, yeah, we absolutely do. I mean, we saw. Don't get me wrong, we saw we saw huge declines initially, and that started to come back really, really quickly. I think what what surprised me was that not only did we see a kind of steadying off of that that decline in traffic, and actually engagement was strong, but that leads so we're, we're massively preoccupied with with leads and quite rightly so in the uk but the leads that we send through to our dealers uh, such as test drives and, and finance quotations and this sort of thing not only held strong but actually started to increase and year on year we saw an imp- a much better performance which was a huge surprise for me and, and something which was very pleasing um as you can imagine for our for our board uh, in the uk and globally as well yeah, as as the IBM or the other side of the pitch are trying to, you know, being being part of the team delivering what enabled those growth. You know, for me it was it was it was less surprising because obviously that the, 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 we we were all hopeful that that was the intent. But it, but I agree to be able to. I think you're downplaying what what Audi have achieved here, right? Just to really spell it out for your audience, you know, this is a market that is hugely de- uh, depressed in terms of interest across the board, right? Not Audi, but across automotive, right? Like 75% suppressed for the first few months, et cetera, et cetera. And, and amidst all of that, your lead generation didn't just hold its own, but grew grew to such a point that it's the highest it's ever been, right? I mean, Absolutely. that's amazing. And that's amazing. It's not just, it's, it's a surprise and delight for your clients that you were delivering them such an amazing service that meant them engaging. But, but I think that's just an amazing result for, for you and the team. So there are some types of products that adapt pretty easily to online sales. In, in normal conditions, why is it that cars in particular are something that really depends on in-person sales? I think that's, well, I think let's take that 
question in two parts, I think. Firstly, why why have cars still been um, at the foremost of people's minds throughout this? And I think it, it goes to show that we still have a, a huge kind of emotional connection with our with our cars. You know, the challenge with um, with customers being able to to see cars and why why there's a real kind of desire to actually see these things in person is because it's because it's an emotional purchase. It is yes, of course, there's a huge functional element to that. But you're, you're talking about dropping a serious amount of cash, if not all up front, like it used to be, you know, like your 50, your 50 grand, your 25 grand, whatever it might be. It's now a significant kind of um, subscription model purchase that you're looking at over the course of every month, dropping 500 quid, a thousand pounds, whatever that might be. Um, you want to make sure you get the right one. You don't want to make a mistake. And you also, we, we often use this when we're talking about, um, you know, our user, user experience and our UI design in that, what is it? that you want to help customers with to, to not make that that kind of forehead slapping moment when they they're in the pub and their mate says oh you forgot to add the you forgot to add the, the daytime running lights your car doesn't look great it's uh you miss that you know and and you don't you don't want the guys to, to the guys and girls to, to to miss something it is a very very complicated purchase process you can configure these things from every conceivable way and with every conceivable permutation you, you want to get this right as a customer and i think that's what we've wanted to try and and help is is provide that kind of cool flannel to the customer's fevered brow and getting this this right and that's why the challenge has been you know somehow providing that interface between a customer actually going and seeing this personally and viewing it virtually is, has been the real challenge for the for the industry but a huge part of that Ant, has been about how audi and the team and how you've iterated on the feedback you get from your consumers itself, right? In terms of what is it they want to see? And, that, you know, I think back to the work that you've done to simplify the language. One of the things, you know, as a consumer, right, that 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 you and I have certainly discussed in the past that creates that complexity is is the language used in the automotive industry, right? The, the descriptive terms for everything Absolutely. from the tires to the gearboxes to the paint colors, right? And when you're in a showroom, those that lexicon becomes less relevant because there's somebody there telling you, oh, you like red. Well, which you know, which red do you like, or which wheels do you like? Those ones or those ones? They're showing you in a bit. So the naming, all of that stuff, all of those insight knowledge bits that you need to have, you don't need to have because there's a person doing that for you. And I think I think what you've worked really hard as as as, as a brand to do is to really simplify that experience for your for your consumers. So they have that same engagement. So it is, you know, they can see it, they can see the choices coming to life as they go through the journeys. And I, you know, that response to what the needs are, I think is, is, has been part of the success here. Well, Debbie, if you remember back in 2017, when, when we first met and I said to you, you know, I need, I need somebody to come in and help us deliver on the best digital customer experience bar none. Yeah. Um, And there's a reason for that. The automotive industry generally they like to um, to use to jargonistic terms and and their own very specific terminology and language, which to regular human beings is just mind blowing. How okay. can we connect with people? You know, like I say, the emotional element of buying a car, it's there. You have to acknowledge that and somehow tap into that emotion, and that means using language that customers understand, using experiences that are going to excite them, going to going to somehow surprise them, delight them. And this is what, you know, that this partnership between IBM and, and Audi has really started to deliver for me, which is that that true kind of meeting of the the technology providing 
the front end experience that is giving customers what they want. And how do we know what customers want? Well, because we take the time, certainly at Audi and certainly within my team, to go out and, and ask them, you know, to research, to provide feedback loops, to constantly check in with customers and make sure that we're we're getting it right. And we don't always get it right. You know, often often we're, we're getting things and there's a misstep here and there. And what we do is we're there's no there's no ego that stops us from looking at that honestly and saying, oh, I think we I think we got that wrong wrong slightly there guys let's let's have a look at this and that's you know right there is the keys the keys to success of the ibm garage model right is that is that partnership we've created together that collaboration around your outcomes rather than anybody's ego or priorities or anything it's just all about using data to make decisions on where the priority should be and that data is things like your user research your customer insight and your marketing data and you know your mindset that in order to create the best digital experience bar none is more than marketing, right? Marketing alone is just one piece of that picture is, you know, is, is, is the line that you, you say. And I think that's, I think that is where the success has come from. I like that you, you mentioned jargon and, um, and, and terminology because, because I know from, from our, our standpoint, we've, we've recorded audio ads for, um, for, for auto manufacturers before and, you know, there, there are times where I, I, I finish uh, reading the ad and I, I have no idea what I have said. Like, the, you know, the, the terminology can sound very flashy and impressive, but yet it can just wash over you <laughs> and, and you're, you're left not really having a, a clear picture of, of what you're talking about. You know, certainly when you're talking about a product you're considering, um, you know, purchasing and investing in. I think just to pick up on that, I think that there was a, a really kind of, and I'm going to sound incredibly naff here, but kind of came up with this concept of what I consider to be a new premium. And it's not about being so aspirational that, that people can't connect with you. And it's not about um, distancing yourself from customers to create, you know, separation. It's, it's about making sure you make it easy for customers in a really charming and simplistic way um, that, that isn't, isn't, uh, doesn't devalue it, but it actually just, it means that customers understand. I don't think there's anything premium, for example, about confusing the hell out of someone, you know, for the, for the purposes of, of making yourself sound awfully intelligent or, uh, or aspirational. Um, and I completely agree. I think if you're, it's that connection with, with customers, and this is an, another concept, which is, you know, we, I strongly believe there is no one customer, you know, you hear often the customer and you need to connect with the customer. That customer doesn't exist. There's a whole bunch of human beings on the other side of, of the microphone or the, or the interface or the screen or whatever it might be that you've somehow got to reach. And in order to do that, you have to do it in a, in a human way, in a humanistic way that, that, you know, relates, I think. And that's what we've tried to do. And that's what the, the you know, going back to the, the, the partnership and, and the technology that, that we've put in place to kind of underpin all this, the front-end experiences, and I'm talking about, you know, the kind of, traditionally marketing associated front-end experiences that help you connect with customers. They have to be powered. You know, they have to be powered by, by a back-end, by middleware, by technology that, that, that helps you deliver on what you want to do. Um, and you have to invest in that. And I think too often organizations just, just treat the, the surface-level stuff and uh, it never works if you just treat it in, at that level. I think you have to, to, you know, really be honest and look at the, the whole spectrum. So tell us about what Audi is doing to adapt to the pandemic and how IBM is helping with the transformation. Yeah, sure. I think, well, let, let's go back. I think 
IBM are helping with the transformation um, as as part of you know my initial brief to them from from three years ago. I think we've been able to react and we've been able to pivot very very quickly with with our our front ends. Let's let's say our websites, for example, our apps, because of the work that we engaged on as a partnership two years ago when they started with us. Um, I would say that there has been nothing um, incredibly um, different to, to the, the, the journey that we set on. I think what we've been able to do is we've been able to operate and be incredibly agile as a result of the hard yards that we put in at the start. I would agree. I mean, I think the we are reaping the rewards of the work, the hard yards work that's been done over the last few years in terms of, you know, it's a bold decision to change partners and go with go with a new partner, especially IBM in a, in a, in a soup of agencies. Uh, and, you know, the partnership has just been you know, this fantastic journey of learning and understanding and moving at pace and dealing with some really hard, thorny problems as you move from, you know, marketing driven experience to unpacking data and technology into the people and culture and ways of working into the business processes leading into your business transfer, you know, all of that chain all happens because of that collaboration, because of that commitment to creating clear decision-making, value-based decisions, you know, on a flexible architecture with an agile set of ways of working. And because all that was done already, your ability to react, respond, pivot, come up with new ideas, you know, serve, serve the different parts of the business was already in place. Now, in, in terms of the, the IBM-Audi uh, um, uh, partnership here, uh, what have you heard from customers? What's, what's the experience like for them, and how has their feedback affected the choices that you make going forward? Yeah, great question. One of the key findings, I think, is the, is the data that we get back. So we often, you know, I like to use a, a combination of, of sure that the quantitative data that we get through naturally, and if you look at conversion rates through some of the, the key kind of tools and forms that we have. Um, and in fact, the conversion rate through um, the website from unique visitors to some kind of action, we've, we've doubled that in the, in the last year since we've really got going um, with IBM. IBM have helped us achieve that. You know, to, to see a doubling is, is incredible. When you see the, the number of leads that we send through to, to dealers and you see in which um, customers then feedback in in kind of other anecdotal forms or or through their engagement with with the dealers themselves um, directly. I think what you find is that customers now find us easier to deal with via via the website. They can find things um, in a much easier way. But also, if you look at something like our model pages um, that we delivered with IBM um, earlier this year, you know they are a premium quality model pages that respond exactly to what customers have asked us. Um, and I, I've taken I've taken an opportunity to go and speak uh, with customers via our, our customer uh, contact centre and see what they're actually saying. And yes, of course, they still have have um, a, a range of issues and things that they want to see improved. As do I. Um, so I'm certainly not glossing over the fact that the job is done because it isn't. But I think what I'm starting to see is is through a number of. Um, kind of different channels really back to us that we're seeing improved customer satisfaction via via the website i've also had conversations directly with customers by the way as well um to find out what they what they did and didn't like and and quite often they i've had a couple of conversations with customers who said you know you've you've started to make it a lot easier i remember when i bought my audi five or ten years ago i had no idea what you guys were talking about 
um, and and now you're, you're you're making it plainer, and and, and that's a that's a real benefit. And I think I think part of that um, is part of the benefit is Audi's ability to own and drive and create the content that you want to present at speed, right? So, you know, if, again, if you think about where we started with this journey and if you wanted to make a fairly simple content change to, you know, let's say simplify the name of a tire or some such thing, right? The, the process by which you did that was quite complicated because of the number of steps involved, the number of different teams, the number of different technologies potentially in making what was a fairly simple content change. And, and now where you've got by using, you know, uh, platform-driven architectures, whether it's Adobe or otherwise, whether you're making use of the cloud, um, all of those other things have enabled you, your business teams, your organization to say, you know what, we want to make this, obviously, within set of control parameters, but giving you much more flexibility to move fast and make those changes in your live environment to respond to those customer needs. And I think that helps as well. Mm, absolutely. The one thing that I kind of wanted to get across, the one point that I wanted to get across was that our organization and automotive in general, if this hasn't come across, you know, is an incredibly, incredibly conservative organization. And it's, it's uh, openness to changes is um, limited, let's put it that way. And I think the one thing that we've used um, an opportunity to do is through this kind of partnership with IBM and the technology advancements that we've made, you know, and the improvements to, to the way in which we kind of develop our tools and products has actually precipitated a change to the business. So rather than business kind of, you know, cultural top down, let's, let's see what we need to do. We've kind of attacked it from the bottom up and that started to shift the oil tanker. And personally, you know, I'm, I'm proud of our part in that. I'm proud of our, our partnerships part in that, but I'm also incredibly excited to see where that's, that's going to lead now because we've almost lit the blue touch paper. Um, and I can only see that accelerating over the next, over the next few months and, and years. I would agree. I think the, the, one of the greatest successes of the partnership is the is the change in the way people want to work together, right? The, the change in the way we want to kind of really lean into the outcome rather than our individual segmented roles and responsibilities. What are we all trying to do in pursuit of the consumer experience? And I think, you know, and the use of DevSecOps and the use of, you know, all the technology that you've talked about has all made that much easier. But in the end, what is really driving the change is the way people are working together across all the different parts of the organization, even without IBM in the mix, right? Audi is a complicated landscape amidst, you know, a wider automotive group across a large geographic region working in, you know, so there's geography, there's brand, there's all sorts of different different parts of the ecosystem that you operate within. And and so to be able to drive that, that shift in ways of working and a different way of engaging and leaning in and creating ownership and empowerment and enablement and agility, I think when you step back and sit and reflect on all of those changes, you will see that it's Audi has come much further than than even you realise. It's it's been a real pleasure to be part of the journey. Ditto. Once again, big thanks to Ant and Debbie for joining us today. Uh, if you'd like to hear more from this series, you can just look up the episodes of our show as well as episodes of Tech Stuff labeled Smart Talks. And to learn more about the series in general, you can go to ibm.com slash smart talks. You can also try IBM Garage for yourself at ibm.com slash garage. And if you'd like to listen to other episodes of Stuff to Blow Your Mind, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And wherever that happens to be, we just ask that you rate, review, and subscribe. 
Huge thanks, as always, to our excellent audio producer, Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other, or to suggest a topic for the future, or just to say hi, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thank you.